everyone, and welcome to Alopecia's Audacity podcast, proudly hosted by the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. I'm Sarah Teske. And I'm Crystal Malcolm. I'm Lauren Harrison, and we are here to offer you a breath of fresh air from those without hair. We're here to challenge the audacity of alopecia to think that it can hold us back from living our best life. We're here to empower and cultivate an open discussion on all things hair loss and how to navigate it with confidence, not only on your own, but with others. You can find CANAF on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at CANAF. That is C-A-N-A-A-F. And learn more about our organization at canaf.org. On our homepage, you can subscribe to receive our monthly e-newsletters, and we'll send you updates on our latest episodes, as well as other alopecia news and event updates. On behalf of Canadians who have been diagnosed with alopecia areata, CANAF supports those who are affected by this disease, promotes awareness and education, and raises funds for research. For our first episode, it feels right that the three of us should share our personal stories with alopecia so you can learn more about us and what brought us here to you in this podcast. Every story is different, but we hope that there are pieces of our journeys that can help you listeners out there feel connected and inspired. So let's get into it, ladies. Lauren, would you like to start us off? Absolutely. So I would say that my experience has been a total learning curve. I started losing my hair when I was three years old and when it was diagnosed by a family doctor and then a dermatologist, it was identified as alopecia areata. And through my adolescence, I didn't really know anyone who also had an autoimmune disease and who was losing their hair in such a cyclical way. So I did feel very alone. And when I was 13, my family and I found CANAF and I went to my first support group and just to see others who were experiencing hair loss and who were familiar with how unpredictable this disease was, was really comforting to me. When I was in high school and I lost all my hair when I transitioned from alopecia areata to universalis, it was a pretty rapid loss and it really freaked me out. So Mm -hmm. I did start wearing a wig. I felt like that was the way that I could continue to show up at school and in my extra curriculars and not have too many questions but I did feel really uncomfortable I don't know about you guys yeah do you think that was just because like high school is such a different experience than like elementary school is that kind of where that did you feel like that extra pressure from maybe students around you or your friends yeah I think not really knowing any other bald females that were my age or that really owned and embraced their different I I didn't feel like I could be the one to stand out in my high school and Mm. I had also spent so many years in denial that I think I turned to sort of overcorrecting as a form of coping and and feeling like I had to compensate for the loss of my hair by being high achieving or doing things to make up for what I was lacking and so it took a lot of energy to sort of push myself to my limits and I think if I was also being vulnerable and exposing this very visible difference, I I didn't feel at that point ready to do it. On a brighter note, it's taken time, but I, I've reached a point and still kind of working towards the point where I can embrace this difference about me and sort of telescoping out to see that with some perspective, it really isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. I think if you spend a lot of time in your head you start to overanalyze and kind of overintellectualize things. And it's, it's, it's really not healthy. At least it wasn't healthy for me to be so self-deprecating and, and so consumed by my own thoughts. So all that to say, 
I've been trying to sort of replace that analysis and self-deprecation with a little bit of levity and, and some kindness. Mm. So you almost just have to laugh at yourself. I personally will laugh at myself when I think, wow, I just kind of hurt my own feelings by doing that because there are enough people in this world that you might run into that'll tear you down. So you don't want to be one of those people yourself. Mm. Very, wow. very true. Very true. <laughs> I felt that. Who girl. <laughs> I hope that vulnerability is helpful speaking openly about how we really feel and and how how much we struggle inside our own heads sometimes can just maybe resonate with others. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank thank you so much for sharing that Lauren. Um, of course. Thanks you're for you're an absolute inspiration. <laughs> thank Ooh. you Sarah. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so my journey with alopecia started when I was six years old. My mom found a bald patch on my head and she had no idea what it was. She actually thought it was ringworm because she'd never heard of alopecia areata before. But uh, my pediatrician told us that it was alopecia areata. And so we got referred to a dermatologist where I started treatments. And for a number of years, those treatments actually worked. You know, I'd have a patch of hair missing. I'd use a, a topical treatment and it would grow back. And then another patch would fall out. Um, so it was kind of this cyclical uh, kind of experience with my alopecia at first. Mm -hmm. And then when I was uh, 10 years old, I lost every hair on my body within a few weeks. Wow. Uh, so I developed alopecia universalis. And okay. that was one of the most scary times of my life. I had no idea what to do or why this was happening to me. And neither mm -hmm. did my parents. We had way more questions than we had answers and didn't know where to turn for these answers. I just remember feeling really scared and alone because I didn't know anyone else who was going through what I was going through. Uh, my friends, my classmates, no one could relate to me. And so that's when my mom reached out and found CANAF. And we started going to CANAF events. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to meet other people who were like me, other kids who had also lost all their hair. And that was a really, really big comfort for me at that time. It allowed me to listen to others' experiences and just know that I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that can make all the difference when you're, when you're really struggling inside. Totally. And so... The way that I like to cope was I wore a wig for many years. I was a very, very shy child and I didn't want to feel different from everyone else. So my way of coping was wearing a wig and just continuing to do the things that I love to do. For me, that was, that was sports. I, at the time when I lost my hair, I was a competitive dancer. I was also a competitive figure skater. I played volleyball. I played soccer. I did gymnastics, like almost any sport, you name it, I, I love to do. And um, I just wanted to continue doing them just like every other child. And uh, like for dancing, one of the biggest things that we had to do for competitions was do a really intricate hairstyle, like an updo, a bun, something like that. So I went through some really tough times, struggling to fit in, to, to feel like myself. Um, there were times when I didn't want to go on stage for a dance competition because I was so scared of my wig flying off. Or there were times when I, I broke down and cried and said, Mom, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but somehow with the support of my family and um, my friends, I just continued continued doing it. 
you know, it was the same with like going to to friends' birthday parties and uh, going swimming. Like sometimes I would avoid those because I just didn't want to feel um, different or I didn't want people to realize I was wearing a wig. So in grade 11, when I was, yeah, about six or seven years later is when I started to regrow some hair. Mm -hmm. Um, to this day, I still don't have a full head of hair. I'd have, uh, like sparse hair on my head. I have a little bit of body hair, but, uh, that was, that was one of the biggest moments in my life. I remember going to my mom and being like, mom, look, I have finger hair. (laughs) I was just so excited because I had this like tiny little finger hair, um, uh, sticking up and it was just a sign of, um, maybe change and, and maybe regrowth for me. There was uh, a point where I just decided that I didn't want to wear a wig anymore because of all that I'd gone through, because of how much shame I'd built up inside and and embarrassment surrounding my alopecia. Mm -hmm. It came to the point where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was tired. And I saw people around me who were embracing being bald and being themselves. And I wanted to be like that. I wanted to be free. This all happened one year. Uh, when I was at a CANAF conference, I, um, I, I met a few people who just truly inspired me to be myself. It was always a, a safe space for me being at the conference because people didn't mm-hmm. see me differently, didn't treat me differently. And that was always one of my biggest fears. So really just having that support from the community is what allowed me to, to transition into not wearing a wig eventually. It was quite a time in my life where I just felt myself growing more powered and more authentic in myself. And it was uh, it was a necessary part of my journey. And I think it took me emotionally maturing into an adult for me to realize that I was able to do it and that I wanted to do it. It took quite a, took quite a bit of time. It took just even going out to Shoppers Drug Mart without a, a wig at first. Yeah, tell like me, those- to walk me through you going to Shoppers Drug Mart right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From the moment I decided to do it, I I I honestly chickened out a couple times. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And then I was like, no, maybe not today. I I I just had to have a lot of grace with myself right. and let myself go at my own time. So the first time I wanted to go out, didn't happen. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll try again tomorrow. I'm not feeling it today. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And the the next day I was able to talk myself up to it to get in the car and drive over to shoppers and the whole entire car ride. I just remember thoughts reeling through my mind. Like I could feel my heart starting to race as I got closer. Mm -hmm. And um, I just had to keep telling myself positive things. Like it's okay. You know, I'm beautiful just the way I am. No one's even going to care. Everyone's there doing their own shopping. I'm just Mm going to go in. It's going to be a quick five minute, you know, go in, grab whatever I need and leave. And um, I just had to keep setting that perspective for me in order to to get there and do it. And uh, I remember my heart racing so much when I was in the store. I was looking around every corner to see like if people were looking at me or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what other people's reactions were going to be just constantly searching for that. And honestly, it was completely fine. You know, a few people looked at me and that was okay. That's to be expected, right? Right. Um, and getting back in the car afterwards felt like one of the most free feelings I've ever felt in my life. I felt just happy and proud of myself for putting myself out there. Love it. And uh, at that point, it almost became like, you know what? I want to do this again. 
kind of feeling mm. because it felt that empowering. Wow. So yeah, that's how I kind of took it in steps and eventually transitioned to just being comfortable without a wig. Wow. (laughs) So that's, that's basically my journey in a nutshell. So where I am today is just being accepting of who I am. I, I Mm -hmm. don't feel the need to, to ever wear a wig again in my life, unless if I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love having my power back in that way before it was like, you know, I need to wear a wig because if I don't wear a wig, I'm not going to feel like myself for now. It's the opposite. It's not a necessity for me anymore. And that feels really, really empowering. Yeah. Just to be able to add that zest, but like you say, to totally own who you are and, and be empowered in embracing exactly who you are. That's really cool, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. I'm glad I'm in this space now. We're glad you're here too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Crystal, yes, ma'am. why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> where do I start? Um, so for me, my journey started probably in my late teens. So I'm really bad with numbers. So I'm going to say like around 17-ish and then transitioning into my early 20s um, is when I started to notice that my hair was thinning. Um, my hairdresser actually noticed it as well. Like I was aware, but I was in a state of denial. But when I went to the hair salon, she was like, you know, I'm noticing a little bit of thinning on the top crown of your head. And I think you should probably look into it. She'd recommended some shampoos and that sort of thing, but also suggested I go see my family doctor. But I, for me, like when I was in my twenties, I kind of just fluffed it off. Like I knew there was an issue, but I wasn't taking it super seriously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so- I used to wear, and I still do, like, I would wear what we call protective styles. So I would wear wigs, I would wear um, hair extensions or weaves, um, braids, that sort of thing. So I always had a, a style that was able to kind of disguise what was going on, even though I knew the truth. Um, and then it just came a point where it was like, okay, I can't really hide this anymore. But I was still in a state of denial. Um, so, you know, Same thing, going to my GP, being referred to a dermatologist. Um, And I want to say the dermatologist appointment wasn't very pleasant, if I can be completely frank. I found it to be uh, very dismissive. Um, I was in there for about not even 15 minutes. And the person looked at me or the physician looked at me and said, yeah, you're like the fourth or fifth person I've seen with this today. But I didn't know what that was. Like there wasn't really an explanation as to what was going on with my scalp. And I was prescribed shampoo um, and some kind of like serum, which was supposed to, I guess, help with the inflammation. And just to give you guys kind of like a little backstory of what my scalp's condition was like, my scalp was burning. It was burning. It was itching. I had these, I kind of associate them with like paper cuts because that's the only way I can kind of describe them and you know you don't know you have a paper cut until like maybe something acidic touches your hand or something do you know what I mean like Mm, lemon or whatever right and I had those all over my scalp and nobody knew what it was but the itching and burning is what I can remember the most and then I had like a cluster I call them pimple like creatures in the back of my head so kind of like at the nape and they were just inflamed And the itching and the burning and the sensation was something that was so unbearable. I was always in tears. 
And the thing is I would go to work with a smile on. So, Mm. you know, I would perform well and nobody knew what was going on because, you know, I still did my makeup. I still dressed well. So everything was great according to everybody else, but I would literally be in the washroom and scratching my head to the point like it would start to bleed. Like I would take my wig off or a scarf, whatever I was wearing and just literally scratch my head because I was in so much pain. Um, So, you know, fast forward, you know, the dermatologist didn't really help that much. So I did a lot of research on my own and that's where I started doing like more, like researching more natural things that I can maybe put on my scalp and like, cause I, I honestly didn't know. So I was just trying everything and anything under the sun. Um, and I didn't find a lot of relief in those things. So I eventually found, um, two physicians. This is like years later because I actually gave up even seeing doctors. So I suffered, I don't want to say in silence, but yeah, I suffered in silence for years. Um, and it was only several years ago that I found two physicians that were actually willing to help me. And I finally got a scalp biopsy. And that's when I discovered that I have what's called CCCA. And it's a bit of a tongue twister. It's central centrifungal cicatricial alopecia. So it's a form of scarring alopecia. So what that means is basically scar tissue develops over the hair follicle, and then it results in permanent hair loss. And some of the symptoms associated with CCCA is exactly what I was um, experiencing, like the burning, the itching. Um, And also to the way my hair loss started, it started at the top in the crown area and then kind of spread out. So kind of like if you have like pizza dough and you're rolling it and you just spread it wider and wider and wider, it was kind of like that. Um, so yeah, it, it really sucked and it was very painful. Um, I did have family support. Like my mom was fantastic, but she just didn't know what to do. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as much as you have this family support, it's kind of you walking through this on your own, even though you have that support. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. So that's kind of how I felt. Um, In terms of like my coping strategies, they were not healthy at all. I will be the first one to put myself on blast (laughs) and just (laughs) basically say, I was eating so unhealthy. Um, I was doing a lot of self-deprecating, like you had mentioned, Lauren. Um, I thought I was very ugly. I was constantly stressed. My hormones, all my levels were completely out of whack. I was depressed. I was very angry. I was very sad. But in front of everybody else, you would always see me smiling. Do you know what I mean? And I remember I would even hide food. Like it became that extreme that I would resort to like a lot of fast food, like drive-throughs, cakes, pastries, anything that was sweet that would kind of provide me comfort But even as I was eating it, like the tears would flow, like I would just be so upset because I know that this is not helping either. So that caused weight gain and, you know, just a lot of unhealthy things. Um, So I eventually did get the clusters, the pimple-like creatures taken care of um, through medication. And once we had the scalp biopsy, we were able to start kind of like a treatment plan for me. So we helped to get the inflammation down, which was great. but it took a very long time to get there. And I'm now 44. So this is like 20 something years of me not having answers, not knowing what's going on, wondering why my scalp is just so angry. And that's making me angry, you know? So 
there came up and mind you, while I'm still going through all of this, I'm still wearing wigs. I'm still wearing head wraps and that sort of thing. And I also, I learned to make my own wigs as well, just kind of because I stopped going to the hairdresser and I kind of just didn't want people seeing my scalp. So I just started doing things on my own. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like I just had an aha moment one day and I was like, okay, this is just ridiculous now. Like I really need to take some sort of power back. I need to feel like crystal again, because I was so lost. And I was like, there has to be a support group out there. There has to be someone else that looks like me. And I, and even before all of this, like I was actually searching, but I, I just, maybe I wasn't putting in the right keywords in the search engine. I don't know, but nothing ever came up for me. And I remember just being in my room one day and I was like, I need to find a support group because I need to talk to somebody. I need to find someone that looks like me and CANAF came up. And I was like, what the heck is CANAF? <laughs> and then I, I'm like scrolling and I'm like, oh, they have support groups. So I took that step and I didn't even give it a second thought. I just signed up. And I remember when I attended the Zoom and this is something I've never, ever done before. Nobody's ever seen me without a wig or a scarf, except my mom and like my closest friend. And I showed up at the support group with nothing on my scalp because I felt like this for me, I need to do this for myself. I need to, I need to be in a space where I can feel comfortable showing up like this, where I don't feel like I'm using my scarf or my wig as a security blanket. Cause that's what they were to me. I mean, I used to wear them just because I loved wearing them, but now it became an absolute necessity. Like it was a security blanket. Like I, you, I would not leave home without it. It's like an American express. You know what I mean? Like I just, right. I couldn't. And can I tell you when I attended that group, it was probably one of the most incredible feelings ever. I just felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders and shout out to Anna Laura because she really just made me feel so comfortable. And, and the fact that she also wore glasses because I'm obsessed with glasses, I just felt like I could relate. And even the conversations that we had, I was very talkative and chatty in the group. And I was very surprised at that because I was so like, I don't want to talk. I don't know what this support group is going to be like. I, you know what I mean? Like, but I was very talkative. And I think it was just a, a way for me to just release all of these emotions and anxiety that I was feeling. And it was literally a breath of fresh air. And I am so grateful for that support group because that led me to wanting to be a part of CANF because I was like, I need to be a part of this. I need to feel like I belong. And that's when I actually applied and I ended up becoming a board member. Yay. And, and I feel like losing my hair was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me because when I lost my hair, that's when I found who I truly was. And so I have absolutely no regrets that it's taken me over 20 years to get to this place because I've experienced every single emotion that you could possibly imagine. So I can now relate to other people and I can empathize and I can show compassion and understanding and I can be that beacon of light and help to be an example, you know, and be a pillar of our community, like the two of you, and just show people that despite everything that you're going through, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in all of this. You know what I mean? And if I didn't lose my hair, I would have never met the two of you. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. 
I just, without getting all kaflemped and crying and teary eyed right now, <laughs> I just, it's just, honestly, it's just been an absolute blessing. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. And, you know, I hope that, you know, this podcast and what we're doing in this space really and truly inspires people to embrace what they're going through and know that there are people there to help them and that there are people there that get it. And it's not just hair. It's so much more than that. You know, that, that made me very emotional, honestly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. You've been through so much. I can't believe you went through like 20 years without Mm -hmm. really knowing what you were going through or having a name for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, yeah, that's really, really difficult. But I think what you said about having hair loss going through this is made you who you are today. That Mm -hmm. really resonates um, because you're right. Like it's, it's a journey that shapes you. And I love how you turn that into a positive thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes I wish that, you know, I reflect and I wish that maybe I didn't take so long to get to this place, but I feel like everything happens for a reason and everything has its season. And for, for some reason, it just took me this long and that's okay. And that's where you give yourself grace. And that's where you, like Lauren, like you said, you don't compare yourself to other people because everyone's walk is so different. Mm -hmm. And that's how Mm -hmm. we create diversity within this community by having different journeys and walks and experiences. Do you know what I mean? So I I don't regret anything. Because yeah, if everyone went through the exact same experience, then Mm -hmm. no one would learn anything from each other, right? Exactly. It's our differences that really, in ways, bring us together and make us stronger. Mm -hmm. There's strong. What is it? What's the saying? Um, There's more power in numbers or something like that. (laughs) Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Yes. Stronger together. Absolutely. I have a question for you, actually, Crystal. Shoot. Um, Is there any support options for people with CCCA? Like, is there any anything like CANAF or any charities or organizations so so there are um from what I can remember there is an organization I believe they've changed their name and I think they're called scarring alopecia um and I think there's an organization that is called ccca or something don't quote me um I'll leave all the like I'll leave the information somewhere (laughs) um if I can find it but show notes yes in the show notes you you we will find some information for you but When I initially was looking, there wasn't anything. And to be honest, there is little to no research on CCCA in general. So when I had my biopsy and we we finally had a name for it, when I was Googling, the same handful of articles would come up. So because it's so rare, it's not as common as, say, Universalis or Ariata. Um, There isn't a lot of attention given to it, if that makes sense. So... um, that was a little bit frustrating. And that's why I was a little bit hesitant to go to Canada because yes, they focus on Ariata, but I realized that they embrace all forms of alopecia. Absolutely. So yeah. So that was, that was also refreshing because I just felt like there wasn't a lot of information out there for the type of alopecia that I had, but there are two, I believe organizations out there that um, are available and um, I will definitely leave that in the show notes, but yeah, leave it to me to have a rare form of alopecia. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It was an absolute pleasure. Stay tuned. More to come for alopecia's audacity because alopecia definitely has its own audacity. You said it. You said it. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone. And uh, catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.